Good morning, Community Grace. My name is Sean Mason, Director of Student Ministries here. And for the past six weeks, we as a church have been walking through a series called Why Am I Here? Looking at how God has created us and for what purpose he has for us. We've taken personality tests, spiritual gift tests, and other assessments to help us form our shape of what God has created us for. And I thought that when I graduated college, I would be done taking tests and assessments. Boy, was I wrong. Um, but hey, throughout the, the, the six weeks, we've seen three things. First thing is that every believer has been given a mission and a ministry, and this is your calling. It's in Ephesians 2.10 that we see that, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We've been given a mission and a ministry. Number two, when you fail to do your part, the entire team suffers. Ephesians 4.16 tells us that when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you don't work together as a team, you don't advance. And number three, you will understand the purpose for which you were created when you understand how God has shaped you through your spiritual gifts, your heartbeat and abilities, and your personality and experiences that he has given you and brings you through. And hey, congratulations, you've made it through the Churchwide Why Am I Here series. And now is the time to begin using that shape. And to help us understand how to begin using our shape, we're going to look at one of my favorite uh, miracles that Jesus does. So turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 14, and we're going to look at verses 23 to 33. And to give you some background before we dive into this, Jesus had just sent his disciples away. He had just fed the 5,000, and the people were, in a sense, mass crowd following Jesus, wanting more. And so he sent his disciples away in a boat across the Sea of Galilee, and then Jesus turned his attention to disperse the crowd. And we're not given any information about how he disperses the crowd. We just know that he sends away the disciples in the boat and then turns his attention to the crowd. And then we see in this account, and actually in verse 22, we see that immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. It's important to remember that it says that Jesus made the disciples. So tuck that away for a minute, but remember that it tells us that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. And then as we read on, we see that the boat was being beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. It's funny, because if you read this, remember we said that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. So the disciples are just simply following Jesus' instructions, right? Jesus says, hey, get in the boat, go across the sea, and he probably says something along the line, and I'll meet you there, or what comes, you know, in Jesus speaking in Jesus' terms. So the disciples got in the boat and started going across the Sea of Galilee, and then they're met with this vicious storm. I don't know about you, but as Jesus stays on the shore, 
I would be a little nervous now. Because this storm we could see, because it's the centerfold of what is going on, we know that it's not just like a little like waves, it's a huge storm crashing against the side of this boat. And I have a, I am terrified of open water. You put me in a rowboat and say, cross Lake Michigan, I'm going to politely decline. Okay, because I'm going to cling to that boat, especially if there's a storm. And, I, and if I were the disciples, at this moment, I'm getting really frustrated because Jesus sent me away, sent us away by ourselves, or so it seemed, to cross the Sea of Galilee, and now we have to deal with this storm. And that's, a, that's the first thing. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. You see, sometimes God calls us to do things that make us very uncomfortable. Or to, or to some people seems very weird or crazy. And so we begin questioning whether God actually called us to do whatever it is he has laid on our hearts to do. Doing hard things, stepping out in faith, and allowing God to be the one to hold us up is sometimes uncomfortable and is not easy. And at this moment, for the disciples, it wasn't easy either. And I can only imagine that the disciples kind of thought, did, did we mishear Jesus? Like, did, did he really tell us to do this? Because the Sea of Galilee is not like a small little lake. It's, it's a sea that it takes a while to cross. Okay? And that's why, and, and if you read on in verse 25, we see when Jesus appears to them is very important because it says, during the fourth watch. And the fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m. So, again, the frustration, you're battling a storm, your leader isn't physically there, and now you're dealing with a storm in the middle of the night. That's not my prime time. I am not a morning person. You wake me up suddenly, and I'm like another storm. Like, I, I don't like it, okay? Mornings are, are not my friend. And then you add a storm that you're trying to keep this boat afloat, right? They, they know if they lose this boat, they could die, right? That's, that's all that's going through their minds, okay? And I can imagine some of the thoughts of, yeah, thanks, Jesus. You sent us across the sea in the middle of the night, and now we're stuck out here dealing with this storm at 3 o'clock in the morning. They probably felt a little abandoned. Right, because Jesus is on the, Jesus isn't physically in the boat with them yet. But look at what verse twenty-five says, the whole way. It says, "And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea." Notice when and how Jesus came to the disciples. He came to them during the night, and in the middle of the storm. Now, there's one thing. The disciples are still human. And so I can only imagine their, in a sense, panic. As the waves are crashing against this boat, they're scrambling, trying everything, throwing anything they can off the boat to keep it afloat. <laughs> and in the midst of this panic, they see this glowing angelic being walking towards them on the sea. 
And their first thought is, it's a ghost. But in the midst of that panic, it was actually Jesus, not on the shore, not floating on a cloud. He didn't just appear in the boat, although he could have done all of those things. He appears to them on the water. So Jesus comes in the midst of their struggle, showing that he has the power over the two things that are working against them. The waves are not taking Jesus away. He's producing his own light. And yet the disciples are still terrified. But the thing I want you to see from this is that Jesus called them to get into the boat and head across the sea. And Jesus had no plans of leaving his disciples stranded in the middle of the sea. And that is because whatever God calls you to, he will also see you through. Notice what scripture doesn't tell us. And oftentimes we can also learn a lot from what scripture doesn't tell us is that Jesus didn't meet his disciples on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and then have a nice chat and go, hey guys, how was your trip? He didn't meet them on the other side and said, what took you guys so long? I've been waiting an hour. He didn't just wait for them and then question why they doubted after they made it across the sea. And he also didn't watch them from the shore and laugh and find humor as they struggled. Jesus didn't send them away for his amusement. Jesus met the disciples where they were in the midst of their struggle, knowing full well, hear this, knowing full well what he had called them to do. And he knew full well what they were going to run into crossing the sea. And I love what Peter does in the midst of this moment as Jesus is walking towards them on the water. Look with me at verses 28 and 29. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. There's one thing you never do with the Lord. Is either tell him what you're not going to do, or say, God, if this is you, then tell me to do this, because Jesus said, come. Now, again, putting them, remembering that, that Peter is still human, I picture Peter in, in this moment kind of like, oh, like, I didn't see that coming. Like, I was hoping you'd just kind of uh, tell me to not doubt, but that's not what he, that's not what happens. Peter gets out of the boat. And walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, I don't blame Peter for testing Jesus. And, and you really can't, can you? Because you see, he's again, he's in a life or death situation here. Trying to keep from drowning in this storm. And here comes this glowing figure who claimed to be Jesus. Because, look at verse 27, it said, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus knew that the disciples were 
terrified and wondering who this being was. And so Jesus tried to put their, their minds at ease and said, hey, it is me. And then Peter says, well, if it is really you, then allow me to walk on the water. And so Jesus obliges and says, all right, come, get out of the boat. And easy enough, right, Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water towards Jesus. And you think this should have been enough for Peter. This is almost where the story should have ended. Because Peter listened to what God was calling him to do, and then they worshiped the Lord, and that's where it ends. That's how this story could have ended. Could have. But then Peter... Peter takes his eyes off the one who had called him out of the boat and could keep him from sinking. Look at what happens in verse 30 and 31. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. At beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Shortest prayer ever. And that's what he did. In this moment of distress, he prays, right? The only, the, kind of the only difference is that Peter has the physical Jesus in front of him, and he's walking towards him, and he takes his eyes off, and he, and he says the shortest prayer because he begins to sink, and again, he took his eyes off the one who called him to get out of the boat. And Jesus, look at what Jesus does, immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Even though Peter doubted, Jesus still saved him in the midst of his distress. And it said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love this. If you look at it of when Peter was actually afraid, it's when he sees the winds And the effects of the wind on the sea. And he sees that he's standing on the water and in human terms should be dead, should be drowning. Peter saw the strength of the storm and and he forgot everything that he had witnessed Jesus do before them. There are 10 plus other miracles that Jesus performed before this moment, including calming a storm. When he was physically on the boat with the disciples, he's healed the blind, he's healed a man with leprosy, he allowed a lame man to walk, he even raised a girl from the dead, and the winds allowed, the winds took Peter's focus off of what Jesus, God, had already done. He had forgotten who called him out of the boat. You know what? Fear can actually keep us from truly doing what the Lord has called us to do. And this is why we have passages like Joshua 1.9 that says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28.20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, this should be enough for us to step out of the boat. It's the fact that how many times in this, in, the, in just those passages, and those aren't all, that talk about not being afraid and, and standing strong in the Lord because Notice throughout all of those verses, though, who it is that's holding everyone up and everything together when we put our faith and trust in him. It's not me. It's not you. It's God. God says, I'm going to do it. I've got this. I control the seas. I control the wind. I control money. I can change hearts. I can, I can, I can, and it's not for you to do. But you know, fear still plays a part in keeping us from jumps, jumping in. And I feel like that in fear we respond much like Peter did when, he, when Jesus told his disciples not to fear. And I, I think what it comes down to is that Peter realized at that moment that it was not the right time for him to get out of the boat. For him. When he saw the wind and he saw the storm, the timing wasn't right for him. But that's just it. In order to jump out of the boat, you don't wait for the perfect timing. You just jump in. That's it. Easy enough, right? But when I was working on this, I, I thought, thought back to um, Alex and I have been uh, working with Sadie on swimming. And she, she loves to swim and asks all the time if she can go swimming. She hasn't figured out that we live in Indiana yet and lakes freeze. Um, but, man, girl is determined. And... There are two things that happen when she is the most confident to jump into that pool. Number one, when she is wearing her floaties. She has these pink floaties that go up on like sleeves and they clip in the back and it even makes it easy for me to hold her while she's swimming. And, and she loves it. She'll jump in when she's wearing those and also when Alex and I are there at the edge of the pool to catch her. And in fact... If you know my daughter, you know that she is very particular and will only do something if the situation is completely right for her. And so she will be standing on the edge of the pool and she'll go, no, stand right here. Right here. And we'll even try to go back and she goes, no, right here. Like, tell, like, listen to me. I'm right here. And she, but she wants it perfect for her, right? And we have had countless times, I feel like I've said this phrase so many times to her. I've said, Sadie, just... Just jump in. No. I'll catch you. No. Put the pool floaties on, then she leaps. And there was one point that she did jump in by herself. 
And she immediately was submerged. She had her floaties on, and so she came back up. But that was enough for her to say, no, I always want mom and dad there to catch her, catch me. And gradually, Alex and I still back up every now and then, especially right before she springs and she can't stop herself. I always thought that when people did that to me as a kid, they were just being mean. Now I actually realize what they were doing. Um, it's amazing what you learn as you, as you grow. Um, in that same way, I know that God is laying on our hearts something that he wants us to do. But we sit here so afraid so fearful that we, that we point and, and tell God exactly where we want to be, where he, we want him to stand so then we can leap in and know that he's going to catch us. Or we, we want to put on that life vest just in case God was wrong. Think about that. How many times do we go into it thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm, and I'm going to do this, but I'm, I'm going to keep this as a backup plan just in case God doesn't know what he's doing. And you know what? I think I, what it comes down to is I think we often forget. We're, we're like Peter more than we like to admit. We forget what God has already done. We were so live in the moment that we forget to look back and see what he's, what he's pulled us through. And I want to encourage you guys to do something. Because this has worked wonders for Alex and I and our family. Above our sink, we have this jar full of rocks. And if you just look at it, it just looks like a jar full of rocks and we have a weird habit of collecting rocks. But if you were to actually pull out those rocks, on those, on those rocks are written a date and a situation where God saw us through a trying time, either financially, whether it be someone loaned us something, someone helped us, something where we didn't see it coming, and we know that it was God because we prayed about it, and every morning when I get up, I look at that jar and know that God is going to see me through whatever it is. And there are times where I come to Alex, and I'm like, Alex, I don't know what we're going to do. We might as well just give up everything, and she tells me, look at the jar. Because it's easy to sit here and say, well, God's going to see us through. Yeah, I know, but God, and, but, but if we do this, no, 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 no. God will see us through. Because God has already seen us through this many times. And that jar is overflowing with rocks. Now, yours doesn't have to be a jar with rocks. It can be whatever, whatever you want it to be that's feasible for your family. But I encourage you to make that, make that, that shrine of, to the Lord that says, this is the amount of times that you have brought me through something and I know you're going to see me through this. How many times, countless times throughout the Old Testament we see that they built a pile of stones at a certain spot because this is where God provided here. And so then as they're wandering through the wilderness, as they're wandering, they, when they come back to that spot, they go, oh yeah, God, you provided for me through this. Especially when you step out in leadership. You know, last week we talked about how our experiences and personalities are something that God uses to help, our find our, help us find our sweet spot and where we are to serve. But I often think that we use our spiritual gifts, our heartbeats, our abilities, our personalities, and our past experiences to say, God, you don't want me to serve here because of X, Y, and Z. 
God, I'm not qualified to serve here because I've struggled with whatever this is. God, you don't know what's happened in my past. You don't know the pain that this has caused me. And now you want me to step out in faith and you want me to serve? You want me to lead a ministry? You want me to get baptized? You want me to actually commit to a church? God, you don't know what that's going to do for me. And we keep trying to stall even though he keeps opening up the doors. You say, God, I'm just not ready to jump in yet. And you know what? You may jump in, and it may be like the time Sadie jumped in without me or Alex there to catch her, and you get submerged. And you go under. You're going to come back up. Because remember, whatever God calls you to, he sees you through. And believe me, it's not going to be easy. There are times that Sadie wants me to go swimming with her in a lake, and I just, because <laughs> I have a tremendous fear of open water. We don't need to get into that. But when you step out of faith, you're, you're going to be okay. And then that means that we just move to a different spot. See, I'll jump into a pool all day. I'll go over to Jay and Deb's and jump into their pool every day. You tell me to go out to Winona Lake and jump in, we have a different story. But then I watch guys like, like Dallas and Mitch the one day just run off the, the pier and jump into Winona Lake, have no problems, they love it, they're loving life. And you know what's cool is that we as a church, we, we have an opportunity to allow you to understand your shape to guide you in that, 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 to that starting place. I'm going to encourage you to test drive a mission and a ministry because you're never going to know if you don't ever jump in. But here's the best part. Just like when Sadie jumps into the pool, she's actually not alone, even though I, <laughs> she probably thought she was the one day that she went under. I grabbed her quickly, though, so it's okay. Um, but she probably felt alone, but then she realized that, that dad was there. There's been times when she realized that mom was there. And here's the cool thing, is that we're a team here at Community Grace. We're a team. We're, we're all looking for the same mission as a church, and that is to be a church that makes disciples. This is a team effort, and so we're going to help you find your sweet spot. And we're going to help you find that area that God may be calling you to serve in. So I'm actually going to ask Pastor Reg to come up here with me. And we're going to walk through some next steps. Because again, this is a team effort. It's not just us preaching and you say, okay, now go do it. We're actually going to give you some next steps that you can take starting now. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's nice to be up here again. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. This is great. And and we are indeed starting a movement here at Community Grace where everybody's involved. And uh, thank you so, so much for everybody who's already serving in your sweet spot. We want to continue developing that and just get everybody involved in the two things that Sean identified earlier, that everybody's got a mission, that's the great commission to make disciples, and everybody's got a ministry, a way to build up the body of Christ and to serve your fellow brothers and sisters and your families and everything. So what is your unique special calling? That's what we're praying. That's what we're looking for. So the first next step is under that category of mission, and I've said it before during the course of this year, that all starts 
the same place for all of us in prayer. Okay, if Christ is greater than all, God is the one who's all-powerful, he's the one who makes things happen, and he has ordained prayer as a way for, for you to draw close to him and for him to move the world. And we must pray for our missionaries, we must pray for our missions, for the nations, that's the commission, and, uh, and it all starts with prayer. So um, we are a part of this Karis Fellowship, this Karis Alliance, it's, a, it's an alliance of several thousand churches worldwide. And we, we're, we want to be team players. We want to be a part of this, this great movement. And they are launching today 30 days of prayer, a virtual prayer walk for 30 days for the nations. Now, there's the instructions right there. This is the time where I'm going to say, everybody pull out your phone. If you're old enough to have a phone or an email address, then I would like all of us to sign up for these emails for the next 30 days. You can get texts or emails. I just got my first one today. And I can tell you it's excellent. Uh, they're very well done. They're brief. Uh, this was for the missions movement in Argentina, and it's got some great details. Uh, for, all you, for all the kids who are not old enough to have their own phones or email addresses, I hope that their uh, parents are engaging with, with this over the next 30 days. So right there, text Karis to 55444, or go to slash prayer and hit subscribe to these prayer emails. I, I hope that you're writing these down and that you'll participate in this. This is where it all starts. Your life, the mission, our church, everything God has for us in the future right here. So please, please participate in that. Then the next one is we've talked about next week we have Billy Graham coming uh, to, to be with us. And what an awesome opportunity to be able to invite whoever that person is uh, or families. Uh, we all know someone that doesn't know Jesus or we're not sure. What better way than to invite them to church and say, hey, it's going to be a special service. And there's even a, a Q&A time beforehand to get to know them and invite them to church and come to church with them. What an awesome way to step out. Because believe me, there are times where I will be inviting my neighbor Kevin to something and I completely stumble over my words. And I feel like it is a train wreck and I'm nervous every time I do it. But then the the, the greater next step is that he says, you know, I really appreciate that you invited me to that. I'm hopefully going to try to make it to something. And the Holy Spirit still works. So when you step out of the boat and say, okay, Lord, guide my speech because this might be a train wreck, and watch him work in the life of that person that he's laid on your heart to invite next week to our Veterans Day service. Okay. All right. So that's the mission. Those are the things that we're going to do right now, uh, this, this very week. Um, speaking of ministry now, turning our eyes toward ministry, the, just ministering to other people in your lives and building up the church, uh, the first next step is once again to fill out the survey of gifts and talents. And if you're sitting on the, uh, the row on the end over here, there's a stack of these under the chairs. In fact, Lizzie, would you, would you start those uh, being passed down there? on a few of these rows that don't have anybody <laughs> sitting on them. Thank you. It's so nice to have volunteers in your own family. See, this is called family ministry here. It's good. This is what we're talking about. So this is a list we put together. We passed this down last week, but if you did not fill one out, um, please do so today. You see the instructions. very simple. This is all kinds of different opportunities and needs within the church and things that our church is already uh, doing for Jesus. And... You see the instructions, put a check in all the areas where you're currently serving and an X by those areas, which 
you would consider serving. And the thought of having everybody plugged in and the church healthy is a beautiful thought. And I've, I really enjoyed processing the ones that, turned, that were turned in last Sunday. And after we process these, the ministry leaders and church leadership are going to be contacting everybody. And over the course of the next weeks and months, uh, continue to build up this church with your involvement. And we thank you so much. Yeah, and then the, the next step is to process your uh, personal profile with a pastor or church leader in your binders. We should have been transferring all of those uh, personality types and, and heartbeats over to the personal profile. And then it's kind of like, okay, what do I do with this now? Uh, and we want to walk with you through that. And so setting up a time to meet with a church leader, to meet with Pastor Reg or myself, uh, just to walk through that and see where God may shape, be shaping you uh, for ministry and to kind of help guide you through that. Because it's, it's been a lot that we've unpacked in these six weeks. And I know that we've unpacked a lot in our small group. Um, but there's even more to really dig in with, this, with, the, with the personal profile and then also November 15th, that's in two weeks, uh, is going to be our next baptism service. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Jesus and you have yet to be baptized, we want to meet with you. And all baptism is is just an outward expression of an inward change saying publicly that I have committed my life to Jesus. And it's one of the biggest first steps in getting out of that boat and allowing Jesus to work through you is by publicly saying, I do follow uh, him. Uh, so just... We're excited for what this is going to mean going forward, and we, we hope that this series has really helped start, not complete, but start helping you find your shape. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, Lord, thank you so much uh, for this morning. God, thank you that you've given each of us gifts. You've given each of us a heartbeat. You've given each of us abilities. You've given us a personality and past experiences, Lord, that, that shape how you've made us in shape, how you have geared us and made us for ministry. God, I pray that, that you begin working in our hearts now, Lord, for whatever it is that you have for us going forward, that we as a church will grow because we understand what you've made us for. Uh, God, thank you again for this morning, and uh, we love you. We pray that all we say and do just bring glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.